the desert wind is a raider. This is the Silver and Black Today podcast. The latest in Raiders news, views, and interviews from the home of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. Check out the only independent news source covering the Raiders based in Las Vegas, silverandblacktoday.com. And now your host, Scott Goldbranson. Hey everybody, welcome back. Silver and Black today, a special mock draft edition with our draft analyst, Kelly Kreiner. Just a thanks to everybody out there since uh, we stopped doing the radio show due to some of my personal health issues and all that stuff. Been just overwhelmed by the messages, so thank you. We told you we'd be back with podcasts and video, and so today... What you get is a special podcast, a seven-round mock draft with Kelly Kreiner, as well as uh, just an overview of where the Raiders are right now as they head into this week, of course, the first week of the new year for the NFL free agent signings. We're going to start to see things change dynamically day by day, but we wanted to start with bringing you Kelly's first mock draft. This is his time of the year, and I bring in my guy, and that is our draft analyst, Kelly Kreiner. Kelly, how you doing today, man? Are you ready? for your favorite time of the year i'm good scott yeah it's uh it's really weird this year between the draft and the ncaa tournament both being all screwed up as they are it's like (laughs) nobody nobody knows how this is going to work nobody knows how it's going to work out so it's it adds a nice little wrinkle to this time of the year for me no absolutely and it's just good to have some things going on to have some news going on and make sure that uh uh, the nfl and obviously the raiders have a lot to work on they have a lot to get better at so we'll see how things all break down and how they all happen so we'll get started with that but kelly what i want to do first before we start delving into Uh, the draft itself for the Raiders is really the idea that, okay, so the Raiders, you look at what they need to do. You look at the needs overall. Everybody wants to talk about the defense. The defense was uh, terrible last year. We understand that that's true. We understand that they need help all over the defense. At the same time, the offensive line dynamically switched. You suddenly let three of your five offensive linemen go. Now, if they try to resign one or two of them, we will see, especially Richie Incognito. We don't know yet. Uh, But the Raiders have a great need at offensive line, which I mentioned towards uh, the end of our show on Raider Nation Radio. So there's a lot going out there. They still need uh, some some help. I think the defensive line clearly with the pass rush, but they need help in the middle. They need help on the back end. They need help at cornerback. When you look at this Raiders team Kelly and you look at the needs what needs would you prioritize uh, for the draft specifically now we don't know as of today what they're going to do in free agency but when it comes to the draft what would you prioritize if you're the Raiders especially in the first and second round well I mean let's be honest at this point this team needs everything but a quarterback I mean if you look at you know you need a second use a second running back you know, we still got Jacobs, but you need just talent all across the board. And I hate to say it for a team that's trying to go for a playoff spot, but they're kind of in a best player available. Kind, of, They should be in a best player available mentality because they just need talent everywhere. You know, if they go in and try to pencil you know, one or two positions in, you know, you don't want to take the fourth offensive tackle if you can get like the second linebacker or the second, you know, corner. And I'm afraid that this might be something that the team looks at. But I think uh, especially letting go of all the offensive linemen, you know, offensive line is a huge thing. Carr has to have time. You know, if he gets if he gets rushed, the offense really feels it. So I think offensive line is like a – unless they're bringing in somebody and planning on signing somebody, offensive line is something they really have to look at in that first or second round because once you get past that, 
that their offensive line is deep, just not deep with really good talent. And you might see five or six guys go in the first round. So if you wait till the second round, you could be looking at the sixth or seventh offensive tackle. Yeah, and, and and it clearly they need that. You're right on the offense. Having that offensive line, you know, it was it was considered a strength. Of course, the weird year last year with the COVID, with all of the injuries and all of that, you saw the Raiders' offensive line use a lot of mishmash pieces. And we also know Denzel Good is a free agent. The Raiders did not sign him uh, by 9 a.m. Uh, on Monday, which means that other teams can talk to him. Does not mean that they won't sign him, that he won't come back. But it's unknown at this point. So the Raiders suddenly have more needs they've cleared a lot of that draft uh, or excuse me that cap space uh, ahead of the draft and ahead of free agency uh, when you look at this Kelly you look at the free agency class before we get into your draft picks um, what would what would you be what would be your priority if you're the GM of the Raiders what would be your priority in free agency knowing a bunch of these names that are hitting the market and about to hit the market it, to be honest with you this year in free agency I would probably sit it out I wouldn't be wanting to make a deal in that first day or two. Um, if you can, like, I, I saw that uh, AJ Green was supposedly coming to Vegas today or was in Vegas. And that, to me, that's just the exact opposite of what you're going to want to do. A lot of these free agents are going to just want to sign a one-year deal, wait for that, hope for that salary cap to go back up. And if I'm the Raiders, there are very few positions where I think just a one-year rental is something I want to look at right now. Um, but I would definitely wait till that second wave of free agency. You know, once everybody, like all the big names are going to be gone, I'm fine with that. Uh, I'll wait for that second, third wave of free agency, try to pick up some guys on cheaper contracts, see if I can't get somebody that's got some upside direct, might be able to sign a cheap three-year deal. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. All right, Kelly. So let's, without further ado, let's dive in because I know we have a lot of ground to cover. I have Kelly's draft list. Uh, Kelly, as the GM of the Raiders, what he's going to do. Now, of course, the caveat here, Kelly, right, is that we don't know who goes ahead of them. We didn't mock the whole draft ahead of the Raiders. So we're going to base this on kind of what we've seen uh, as far as other teams and the projections of other mock drafts uh, from from folks in the industry uh, to kind of give us a sense for where we're at. Anything else you want to say about your picks and I know you have other options and we'll talk about those as we go through these picks but anything else you want to do to set up these picks that you have for these seven round draft I actually did a seven round mock draft where all the other picks were simulated for this draft just okay. so it gives it a little more you know so you can kind of see where the picks and stuff are coming from because there's a couple guys like in the late sixth seventh round that I don't think will be there but I've been showing yeah. up in every mock in every mock draft so if anybody goes to uh, say like PFF, or if they go to uh, the draft network and do a mock draft themselves, it'll be similar to what I have with where the players are. That way you can kind of see who else was there and where I was coming from. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So we'll do uh, that. We'll take that into consideration. All right. So we go into round one, clearly round one, uh, there is going to be defensive players available there that could help the Raiders up front on defense or at linebacker. Uh, they also need help. Like you said, at offensive line after the first round, the offensive line, it falls off. It's not that they're bad offensive linemen, but they're not top tier uh, all-star pro type offensive linemen that you'd want to draft. So when you look at the Raiders and you look at uh, that 17th pick, should they keep it in round one? Which direction do you go? Which player would you take off the board? Uh, for me, it was Christian Darisaw, the offensive tackle out of West Virginia. Uh, in my opinion, since you like let Trent walk, if he's on the board, this is a slam dunk to me. Because as you know, 
offense was really good last year. The defense was really bad. Everybody wants to fix the or everybody wants to fix the defense. The offense is going to be what this team's built around. You have to, you know, you have to build around your strength, which is going to be Carr, the running game, the fail. So if, you know, to me, I'm I'm trying to protect Carr as much as possible. And uh, Darisaw is a slam dunk at 17. You know, he's my third tackle off the board. He would be my third tackle. Um, he's probably like early in the season. He's going to have some issues with speed in the NFL. A lot of these uh, young tackles do, uh, but he's just such a monster. I mean, once he gets your hands on you, you're going to the ground. Um, so I think that if if he's available, I I don't think he gets past the Chargers because uh, the Chargers they definitely their offensive line's garbage. So I mean, they definitely need to do something. But if he does get past there, I mean, I'm to me it's Christian Darisaw, and um, I'm running the card up. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Darisaw, you mentioned it too, because uh, yes, he. I mean, you look at all of the draft um, um, bios on Christian Darisaw, and the only thing you can find as far as like a downside is that functional strength. But again, that's a college kid going into the NFL. I mean, what college player doesn't need more functional strength when they get in the NFL? And I think that speaks to the speaks volumes to how talented he is. But Kelly, when you look at his game, um, of course, he's played on the left side. They'd switch him to right side. He should have no problem doing that. Um, he could even play guard, could I mean, he could play anywhere. Uh, I think he's that athletic and that and has that ability. Yeah, you could definitely put him pretty much anywhere across. You know, you'll play right tackle, left tackle, right guard, left guard. Um, you'll hear different people say different things. To me, I don't think that going from right to left side is that that big of a deal. We've seen enough guys that have made that transition. Um, it's not as big a jump from, say, going to tackle to guard, which I think there's a big difference in those two. To where, I mean, it's just a whole different leverage, whole different, you know, footwork. Um, so, yeah, you, I think you can put him on either side. And, yeah, worst case scenario, I think you could slide him in as a guard. Um, I don't think that would be your plan. I think your, your plan from day one would be start him at right tackle and just work to get him to fit there. And, I mean, we, we've seen what the Raiders did with uh, Miller. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm Tom the Cable. first to admit I was not the biggest Colt Miller guy when it came out. If you get half the improvement that Colt Miller has to Christian Darisol, you've got an all pro for a decade to come. Yeah, most of the scouting reports have him as a quote-unquote franchise left tackle. Of course, like you said, he could easily switch to right tackle. Uh, left tackles could switch to right tackle. And then the, the Raiders seemingly would have their left tackle and right tackle wrapped up for the next uh, eight to ten years, uh, barring any injury or anything like that. Um, now, backups for this first round, um, similar to me, and you and I talked earlier in the week too, of course, Jeremiah Osou-Kamora uh, from Notre Dame at the linebacker. You have him as an option in the first round as well as Tavon Jenkins. If both those guys were available, Darisaw is gone, which one would you go with? I, I, would, I, I would still go offensive line because to me, as much as the defense needs improvement, you have to protect Carr because if Carr's not playing well, this is a three-win team. Because the more and more I look at this, this roster, this roster's terrible. You know, I mean, there's just, there's just a lack of talent at every level right now. And... Uh, it, to me, if you have to, you have to build everything around car. You have to protect car. So I'm going tackle. Um, I would take Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. A lot, like I said, I don't, I don't think there's this team isn't one draft and one free agency away from being a Super Bowl contender. And I think Raider fans need to realize that. Um, this, <laughs> I mean, they just need a lot of talent, and that's yeah. the thing. It to me, it's almost 
if you're going to look for something, you know, I'm offensive line, then defense. Or, but like I said, at this point, you're almost his best player available and you kind of just get as much talent as you can. Yeah. And, you know, Kelly, trading up, trading down, you know, we talk about this a lot. People always want to do it. Of course, you have to have a taker on the other side of it. This is a weird year. Um, is this a year where because the Raiders need that talent, you would not consider that uh, moving down and maybe getting some picks? Because you just mentioned and I don't think a lot of Raider fans are going to agree with you. And I tend to agree more with you uh, about the lack of talent on the roster. I think there's talent there that was underutilized that they need to do better with. But I think there are a lot of holes and that's, that's because let's face it. Uh, they've either missed in draft or the free agency over the last couple of years, or the jury's still out on some of these guys. So what would you do? Would you definitely take that 17 pick no matter what, or depending on what's out there, could you think about moving down? I mean, you all think about moving down and this will be an interesting year in the draft where I think a lot of teams, because everybody's going to want to move down because nobody, you know, it's been such a weird year. You're so much uncertainty. Um, if I'm a GM, I'm looking at it the other way. I'm going to trust myself and my other people. I would try to move up cheaply. You know, if there's a guy I really want, like uh, we've seen Rashawn Slater in some of the drafts go in that 12 to 13 range. If I can move up cheaply from 17 to 13 and get Slater, I would do that. I mean, I would definitely do that. You know, if I could do, you know, move from 17 to 13 and get a guy like, say, a Micah Parsons, or if one of the top corners fall, I would do that. You know, I would be looking to try to move up in this draft, knowing that the chances of, you know, the next couple of years, moving four or five spots this year, moving six spots will be cheaper this year than it ever will be. So, I mean, I would, I would look for that because as much as you need a bulk of talent, I'm, I'm the type of person, you know, give me one guy that I think I can bank on over two that might work out. Yeah, so if I can move – if I can move up four spots and get Slater over a Darisaw or a Tevin Jenkins, I'm going to do what I can to do that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I, listen, I, I just, I agree with you a hundred percent that if, if I'm the Raiders in that first round, as much as I need defense, if there is one of those offensive uh, tackles, those offensive linemen there, you've got to grab them. Because like you said, if this team and Derek Carr are not protected and they can't get that offense moving because the defense, even if Gus Bradley's a miracle worker and improves it immensely over last year, it's still not going to be a top 10 defense there. There are a few drafts and free agent classes away from making that defense truly much, much better in my view. And so I think you need to go offensive tackle. But in the second round, and we get to your second round uh, pick here, you do go defense. And a guy I really like, Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma. He is, uh, to me, you know, a big guy, carries his weight really well. Um, he's really strong. What do you like about him at edge? And could he come in uh, with this Raiders defense and be an instant uh, playmaker? Well, you mentioned it, the strength. I mean, length and strength is what you get with, you know, Ronnie Perkins. And the more tape and stuff that, like, I watched of him, I'm not sure. He, I don't think he, he may not even be around there for the Raiders pick at this point. You might see him kind of fall in that late first, early second, just because the edge class this year, there's, there's not one or two guys that stand out as a slam dunk. Everybody's got flaws. So it's everybody's going to be kind of picking and choosing what they want to deal with. It's, you know, and, Ronnie, Ronnie Perkins is one of those guys that he, he kind of off like some teams are going to see like, Hey, he's exactly what we want. Some are going to want more of a, you know, flexible bendy guy around the edge. He's more of a power strength guy. Uh, but to me, yeah, Perkins is just one of those guys that you've got so much to work with. You're like, we can make this work uh, with this guy or some of the other guys that are like the other pick, you know, I mentioned, you know, 
maybe Joseph Asai would be another pick there. Um, you're going to see guys like that that have other flaws, but I think Ron Perkins is one of those safer guys towards like, okay, I know I can get a baseline out of this guy just from what he does, you know, from what he does well. I know I can translate that, and then we can work on everything else to try to get him to hit that next level. Well, and and you talk about Perkins, and you look at this defensive end class, Kelly, and really, once you get out of the first round, you're dealing with guys that are very talented but have some raw ability, which means they need work at the next level. And so I think Perkins falls in that as much as I like him. And you mentioned Joseph Asai, who um, you told me, hey, you got to watch his tape. He had great pro days. And you watch him, and he's he's a long guy too, really strong, um, but he still has, um, I think, the natural ability, but he still needs to learn a different move he also uh, has played off ball linebacker at times so they've kind of switched him around a little bit um, one of these guys I mean like you said Perkins could end up going at the end of the first but Asai now also could move up there so it depends which one of those guys are there uh, but when you look at that situation and the defensive end there's just nobody I mean you you have Rousseau in the first round who's been linked I think in a lot of mock drafts with the Raiders but once you get past him there's nobody there that really excites me that I'd want to take at 17 so as you get into the second round you have to expect a guy who might come in and play well but he's going to be more rotational correct yeah um it well i mean you even mentioned Rousseau, but he hasn't played football in a year and he only played one year of college football so i mean he's big yeah he's just a uh, he's a big question mark you know phillips the other miami kid you know if he doesn't have the injury history he's a slight he's your number one defensive end and it's a slam dunk in this class but he's he's legitimately retired already once from concussions he's won He's one bad shot away from never playing again, and I don't I don't see why anybody would want to waste or uh, spend a first round pick on a guy like that, you know. And uh, you mentioned you know Joseph Asai needing another move. He needs a move. He doesn't even <laughs> he has nothing. He's he's playing on raw ability right now. He doesn't know what to do with his hands. He doesn't know how to you know set up a uh, tackle. He's just out there. His motor runs red hot a thousand miles an hour, which is what people are gonna love. But he has absolutely, he has no moves. He has no counter moves. He doesn't know how to use his hands. It's just, he's just a blur of speed. But a lot of teams are going to see that and be like, we can teach him the other stuff. You can't teach the athletic ability that a kid like that has. No, and and I think that's why you're seeing him after the pro day move up because he has such amazing raw talent that NFL teams are you know the ones that are confident that they could they could coach him up and get him developed. And the one thing I do like about him and looking back at his stats and looking back at his film over the last few days, Kelly, is the guy's a turnover machine. It's the one thing he actually really does well with his hands is he creates turnovers. That's something the Raiders have been sorely lacking. So there could be a guy at the very least until he learns that move to be as effective uh, defensive end as they need him to be. This could be a guy. But at the, again, you know, it, it always scares me with these guys, Kelly, because this time of the year, you don't know truth from kind of hype. And and this is the kind of guy where, yeah, he might move up and he's he's getting all this great publicity and suddenly he's a second rounder, mid-second rounder, and you take him, but he's not able to contribute. The Raiders need guys who can contribute right away here. Uh, and so, but on the defensive side of the ball in this draft, I just don't see guys in that second round at defensive end who are going to come in and light the world on fire. So I think fans need to be uh, understanding that if they do go defensive end at edge in the second round, it's not going to be a playmaker who's going to come in and just blow up the NFL in his first year. No, yeah, you're right. And 
unfortunately, they shouldn't need that since they spent the fourth pick on a defensive end. You know, got Max Crosby a couple of years ago, but they need they do need that. But uh, yeah, like you said, in this draft, I don't think there's really anybody that you're going to be able to bring in, and and that's just not just in the Raiders pick. That's kind of across the board, you know, because yeah. like I said, everybody like with the the abbreviated camp, they're probably going to have as well. A lot of guys just not playing like. Gregory Rousseau, I don't care how athletic and good you are. You haven't played football in over a year. It's going to take a while to knock that rust off. Yeah. You know, so and, I mean, it's and, like. And we still don't know, Kelly, you know, things are trending in the right direction as, as it relates to COVID, but we still don't know what the NFL offseason is going to look like. We don't have any definitive news on. And I know, you know, OTAs, I know coaches talk about how important they are and they are to a certain degree, but not really on the field. When it comes to this kind of stuff that you're talking about, it really gets into a full training camp and mini camp. Uh, and we don't know if they're going to have that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like a lot of that OTA stuff, you can, you know, it's it's classroom stuff. You can learn on Zoom meetings and everything. But for the most part, it's just the young kids just realizing the physicality difference. Because, I mean, yeah, if you if you play, you know, SEC, ACC football, you know, you're used to playing with some high, high talent. Everybody in the NFL is that guy, though. It's like your second, third stringer in the NFL is your starter in every college team. So, I mean, you just have to get used to taking those hits and everything again. Yeah, you're right. We are talking, of course, to Kelly Cryan, our NFL draft analyst here at Silver and Black today here on the podcast and on video, whether you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, wherever you may be watching us. Thanks for joining us. We are now up to the third round with the first round pick. Uh, Kelly went with Christian Derisaw, the talented offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. Ronnie Perkins, the defensive end out of Oklahoma. And now we're up to round three, Kelly. And I look at this situation, one of the positions that I think is vital for this Raiders defense to get better, besides what you need up front, which is everything, um, is a safety. You need somebody back there. And a lot of people want to go with a veteran safety. And I think they may end up signing a veteran safety. But you also need a young guy that you can develop back there. You go with a safety in round three. Tell us who you'd pick. Uh, I, I really like Hamza Nazardine out of FSU. Uh, got hurt last year, so last year is basically a wash for him. Uh, but he's basically everything that uh, Gruden Mayock want Tanner Muse to be. He's that kind of linebacker. Who? Slash safety. Exactly. <laughs> uh, don't, don't even get me started. We all know where I sit on that. Um, but, he, yeah, he, he's like the best case scenario of what they thought Tanner Muse could be. Uh, just super athletic. You can put him on a tight end or running back. He can almost play like a nickel corner if you need to, but he's that big, big in the box safety guy that you can kind of roam around everywhere. You know, and you know, the, a lot of drafts have, uh, no, you know, the Notre Dame or Owusu Mara going to the Raiders. This is basically a third round option for that same kind of position because they're very similar players. It's just uh, Nigel Dean got hurt last year. You know, yeah. he's, He's more of a safety than a linebacker, but I mean, you can play him at both because everybody's going, everybody wants that kind of non-positional kind of guy they can throw out there. And Nigel Dean's that guy that you can have out there. I think you could put a little more weight on him if you wanted to, and he wouldn't lose that much explosiveness. If you want him to be more kind of a linebacker type, or he could kind of shed a little bit if you wanted to go kind of safety. Uh, So depending on how you want to put him out there. Now, he needs to work on his ball skills a little bit. He's more of kind of an in-the-box safety. So there is a little there is a little bit of kind of uh, – uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, I'm totally blanking. Uh, but the, That's okay. He, it happens. He's, he's basically – like he's kind of similar to what they have already. 
Um, so it's like I can see where there's a little some people might not want that for that. But can we can we just get get through our head that Tanner Muse is not going to be a player for this football team? We need to move on from that and just go ahead and get somebody in there that plays the position and does what they wanted him to do, but can actually do it. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't play last year. His toe was hurt. I don't care. How can you make a judgment? I, I can make a judgment. I've been I, consistent I, with you all along, man. I, I, and, I made a judgment when they drafted him. Why? Because I yes. watched him play football. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, I just he can't. He, I just don't think he can do in the NFL what he was doing in college. No, it, it was no. so sporadic in college, and in the NFL, everybody's just a lot better player. Well, and and that's the thing you touched on it uh, with, with Nazardine out of Florida State at the safety, who you've now chosen as the Raiders pick in the in round three of this draft, and that is that hybrid position. I hear from so many people, Kelly, who tell me, "Oh, the hybrid position won't last," and I keep telling them, "You're not watching enough football," because if you look at college football and how it's 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 prevalent throughout college football. Even in mid-major conferences, it's there. We're seeing, I mean, Javen White, the, the player the Raiders signed last year from UNLV, is basically that hybrid position player as well between a safety and a linebacker. And then you have, we talked about JOK out of Notre Dame, and you have Nazardine out of Florida State. This position, and 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 when you look, I, I te- if people want to argue with us on Tanner Muse, that's fine, but go watch tape of JOK and go watch tape of Nazardine and tell me. And watch tape of Tanner Muse, and watch the three of them, and tell me that that they're they're equal players. Because I think all you got to do is watch the tape. I don't care wh- who you are and what you think. And I'm not. We're not here bad mouthing Tanner Muse as a person or any of that stuff. We're just saying, as far as a football player goes, these two guys. So it is a need for the Raiders, and I think you need depth at that position too. You need a couple of those guys. You have White, who they seem to like. He could be a rotational guy, but you need somebody to go in there. Um, and you look at that, is, is, is this a better opportunity for them, Kelly, and then they can go in free agency and maybe find that veteran free safety to play back there to kind of be the leader uh, in a very young group with Jonathan Abram and Trayvon Mullen and the cornerbacks they have back there? Yeah, I think you need to try to get a veteran in free agency because the safety class in this group, it's not great. Um, once you get outside of mooring the TCU kid, Everybody else is just kind of a pick your poison. What do you like? What are you looking for? You know, he's really the only first round talent that I see out there. And he's the only guy that I can think you can kind of throw in there and feel safe from day one. So you need to kind of go out there and get somebody that's um, established to kind of settle that because you're not going to do it in the draft. You know, I know a lot of Raider fans, you know, there's a guy out of, there's a guy from the Rams that's a free agent that everybody's wanting. You know, Johnson. Yeah. That, yep. I mean, cut a check, get him in. In my opinion, that'd be my number one look for free agency this year. Yep. Because when you look around everywhere else, he's the one guy that I think can change the group more than anybody else that you can bring in. Yeah, I agree 100%. And our, our friend Vinny Monsignor has been on uh, beating that drum since he covered him uh, when he was covering the Rams, so he knows him really well, and I think that's a good take. Okay, so there you go. Hamsa Nazardine, safety out of Florida State in round three is Kelly's pick. We go to round four, and a guy I'm familiar with, and I think when I mocked him, I had him in the fourth round too the last time. Uh, my first round pick was Trey Lance, but let's not get into that because he was there, and so if he's there, you're going to take him. Uh, but nonetheless no, – <laughs> you don't. No, you if don't, Trey but. Lance is there, you're trading out because somebody's coming up. Somebody needs him. That's and, right. And that's you the get... thing with these mocks where we don't do trades. There's yeah. a zero percent chance Trey Lance falls to 17 because somebody's yeah. trading up at the worst to get him. But exactly. yeah, if, if he's there, I mean, dude, or you pick him. Like, what can you get from Carr at that point? Could you get a one yeah. and a three from somebody? Could you get something? 
rebuild on the fly. Who knows? Yeah. And, and by the way, people, people will listen to this or watch this and they will freak out and say that we are advocating that they get rid of car, which is not the case. Not what we said. So there you go. Um, but it is what it is now. So in the fourth round, a guy again, that I mocked, uh, three times when I drafted, uh, and I think a guy worth the, the flyer there in the fourth round is Marvin Wilson, the defensive tackle, interior defensive lineman from Florida state. So you go Florida state back to back picks. Um, here's a guy who played mostly on the interior, but he played five technique as well. Kelly, this is a guy I think could be really strong on passing downs for the Raiders and create the disruption they need up front. Yeah. You're going to be able to move him around several places. So I like his flexibility there. You just kind of have to figure out what happened. I mean, the last few years, Florida state's been a dumpster fire of a program. So, I mean, there's been all kinds of weird stuff and everything going on. He played hurt most of the year, but he was a lock first round pick going into the year. And his stock is just like, it's been destroyed. Like I've seen him, you know, four, five, and six. I've seen him in all of, and that's in a really bad defensive tackle class too. So it's not like there's been a lot of guys that are shooting up the board, leapfrog him. He's just falling that far behind all the other mediocre talent. You know, there was, I know there was a lot of issues with the coach and a lot of things like that. So, I mean, you've really got to do your homework, you know, see how bad the injuries and stuff, you know, caught up to him, see how much of it was just a college kid that wasn't vibing with his coach and a season that was all screwed. How much of that was, you know, what happened? Because when he was playing well, this is, this is an elite talent. Yes. But this year it did not show up on film. It didn't show up on the field. It just, it's, it's almost like you forgot how to play football over a summer. Yeah. And he was, I mean, he was so highly taught at a high school and then he gets into college and early on projection, you know, this guy was going to be a first, second round draft pick, no doubt. Like you could bank on it, maybe even first, a high first round draft pick, uh, and then seemed to have lost. He's also had some weight issues, Kelly. I mean, he's, he's had trouble keeping that weight off and distributing his weight, meaning that there's a workout issue there. And I think, I think that's what happens though. You see that a lot with kids who aren't happy in a program. Uh, and you talked about the coaching situation in Florida, at Florida state. And, and all the, the, the tumult that was happening um, down in Tallahassee. So it, 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 this is the kind of thing where I think you got to interview the kid. And if he interviews well and you're convinced that that he's ready to go and maybe in his offseason workouts, then you take the risk on him. But but there's definitely going to be red flags. And, and I think he will be there in the fourth round when the Raiders get there. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like I said, he, he was playing hurt and injury. So, I mean, that's going to if you have weight issues, that's going to make it even worse, you know. So yeah, you, like I said, yeah, you really gotta, you really have to look into, you know, why this happened. Because if his head's on straight and everything, you're getting a first round talent in the fourth round at a position in the draft that is not good and uh, that you really need on the team. They really need a defensive tackle on this team. Yes. And if you get, you know, Marvin Wilson's head straight next to Maurice Hurst, that's a very impressive, you know, up the gut, you know, tandem. So it's yeah. like. You know, if, if you can figure out what's wrong and straighten it out, if you get Marvin Wilson in the fourth round, you're getting a steal. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. We are with Kelly Kreiner, our NFL draft analyst here at silverandblacktoday.com and here on the podcast and the video channel. Uh, and we are now through round four. Just to summarize, and you can see it there on your screen as well, um, first round, Christian Derisaw, the offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. Round two, Kelly chose Ronnie Perkins, the defensive end, the edge rusher out of Oklahoma. Hamsa Nazardine, the safety out of Florida State in the third round. And then back-to-back, 
Florida State now round number four interior defensive lineman Marvin Wilson, which then gets us, Kelly, to round five where you had to put away your Michigan shirt for a minute and you had to wake up the echoes. Uh, You have another offensive lineman here uh, chosen out of the University of Notre Dame. Tell everybody who you take in round five of your mock draft. I took Tommy Kramer, the interior offensive lineman from Notre Dame. In the fifth round, like he—he's the kind of guy you can just kind of plug in there, and you're going to put him at guard, either right or left guard. I think if you put him at left guard between uh, Colt Miller and Rodney Hudson, you just forget about that position as long as he's healthy. He's never going to be a superstar. He's never going to be a guy that's like, oh my god, you know, he's no Quentin Nelson. He never mm-hmm. will be. But he's the kind of guy that you're going to get in the fifth round. You're going to stick stick him in there. And as long as he's healthy, you don't have to worry about that position. And right now with the offensive line the way it is, I think that should be a top priority for the Raiders. Because, like I said, you've got Hudson at center. You've got Miller. Like You're set there. You know, Kramer's a good enough guy to where you can get him late fifth. You could probably might be able to get him in the sixth round. You know, mm-hmm. so that fifth or sixth round range where you can get a guy where you can start him and not worry about it. You know, it's like yeah. we can just knock this out, one pick here, bam, we're good there. Let's work on the rest of the stuff here. And that's why I like him because, to me, that like I said, he's the kind of guy, he's, he's never going to be a pro bowler, but you're also, he's the kind of guy that's just going to play football for 10 years. Right, and that he's a lunch pail guy, right? I mean, he yeah. goes to work, does his job, and you don't have to worry about it, and that's great. And that's where that's where really good, you know, people I think have the misnomer, Kelly, that when you put together a dominant offensive line, that they all have to be all pros, and that's not the case. You got a couple on there. You have guys like Tommy Kramer in there, and of course, you have Rodney Hudson in this at center right now. That's the kind of guys the Raiders need. Maybe you put a veteran on the other side. Um, you go in free agency, or if you find if you sign Denzel Good, then you're fine there. Uh, and then you got the two tackles the young tackles uh, and and you're set for like you said 10 years uh, and again people don't get excited fans don't get excited about drafting offensive linemen but as we saw in the Super Bowl again offensive line defensive line and quarterback is how you win in the NFL and you don't have to have a top five offensive line to have a good offense you just need to be you know as long as you're 12 or above or like like that you're going to be fine especially with Carr. Yeah, but if you look at what they have on the roster right now, they they basically have two spots they've got nailed down. They've got three wide open spots. You know, yeah, they could be signing some people, bringing some people back, but who knows? You know, we don't know that as of now. So I mean, I'm looking at it because basically, if you like, if you didn't sign a guy when you had the chance to sign him, and you're letting him test the free agency waters, somebody's going to give him more money than you. That's just the way I look at it. If you don't get them signed before they go out the door, they're out the door. Yeah, that's what I I agree with you. I think that's why everybody who's saying you have to draft all defense in the draft. First of all, you have to draft to the strength of the draft. If there's not a strong defensive player there, you don't take one. And you look at your other holes there. And I think you're right about the offensive line that popped up on people. Um, Didn't pop up on us here at Silver and Black today. We've been talking about it for weeks and weeks. But nonetheless, uh, you have to be able to go out and get those guys. You have to protect your quarterback. You have a franchise quarterback. Without your franchise quarterback, we don't know who's going to back up Derek Carr, too, as well. Because Marcus Mariota that $11.5 million, they may end up keeping him because between him and Carr, that's $30 million. That's what most people are playing, paying for a starting quarterback anyway. But if they can't get uh, the offensive lineman they need to protect Carr, uh, they might they might have Nathan Peterman as their backup. And if that's the case, trust me, you're going to have to have a good offensive line because if anything happens to Derek Carr, uh, even if it's for a few games, it could, it could really end your season very early. So there we go. We have Tommy Kramer in round five. 
the guard out of Notre Dame, uh, who is a lunch pail guy, a guy who could play there for a long time and do a good job of it. Um, when we get to round six, okay, Kelly, these are the, the picks that most fans aren't familiar with. And so you start reaching here because you start looking at guys that you like on film that maybe aren't household names. Uh, you go defense again in round six, uh, looking at defensive end Chris Rumpf out of Duke. Tell us why Rumpf would be a good pick in the sixth round. Well, it's funny because when I did the mock draft, I just ex- I just assumed he went fourth, fifth round or something, and he popped up up there at the sixth round, still available. And I was kind of surprised because he was, you know, you saw flashes at Duke to where I mean he's got talent. You can see you got you can make something. I get it. He's small. Like he definitely needs to put on some weight. Uh, Going to have to get bigger. His functional strengths, you know, not where it needs to be to be a defensive end in the NFL. But you see a lot of flashes, a lot of stuff to work with. So I actually talked to uh, somebody I know in the league, and I asked him why he was that far down. He goes, he's just, and they just said, he goes small. That's all he said, yeah. small. Like, yeah. no other goes, yeah, he goes, they don't think he can get big enough to get to the size he needs to be an every down defensive tackle. So I'm like, okay, but you're taking him in the sixth round. Can he be a sub-package guy? Can he be something you can play? And he just goes, he's small. Yeah. So well, several Kelly, several teams are just going to flat out say, yeah, he's too small. We're not going to deal with it. That's just right. what it's going to be. But For me, Kelly you know, couldn't. But Kelly couldn't oh. couldn't he play because of that size issue? But because of his talent, his ability, especially uh, in gap blitzing, is fantastic. Could he be? A, could that be a situation where he he moves to off linebacker or plays a little bit of a hybrid between off linebacker and and edge? Yeah, I mean, you could always try to throw him in there. I'm not sure if he's going to have the coverage skills that you need to be an offense or to be a uh, linebacker. But I mean, if you're just bringing him in on passing passing downs, have him be a situational blitzer, have him do stuff like that. I think there's you're going to be able to find a space, you know, for a guy like that on your roster. And when you're getting into the sixth round in this draft, like it, the sixth round's always a crapshoot. It's ten times worse this year. You know, every, <laughs> you're, you're, talking, you're talking about a crapshoot in the fourth round at this point. Because, I mean, I'm seeing some names in the fourth round. Like uh, earlier on the thing, we didn't mention, but Walker Little, the offensive tackle at Stanford, who two years ago was the number one pick on most um, yeah. mock drafts that were coming out in the future because he was that franchise left tackle, you know, had some injury issues, hasn't played much. He's now a fourth rounder. You know, so somebody's going to roll the dice on him, maybe get a steal, maybe not. You know, you're going to see so many guys in the – you're going to be like, in three years, you're going to be like, you know, how did that guy fall that far? You know, yeah. I think this is the year you're really going to see that stuff come up because, you know, especially, you know, we didn't talk about it much, but you're watching the you know videos of all these pro days and everything. There's not a single scout that believes one of these 40 times. Yeah. It, it, anybody that's at those performance centers, they're not buying a single 40. They're like, no. we're like, we're just watching it. We, you know, we'll have to watch it do it ourselves, but whatever they're saying, because we're not taking it face value. Well, and, and Kelly, that's an interesting point. Just a little aside as we hit the sixth round here, so we're almost done with the mock draft, uh, is is the idea of 40 and the combine, all the stuff. Now, with the ability to track players in-game with these trackers that they're starting to use, these play trackers, where they can actually see the agility, the, the uh, horizontal movement of a player – are the days of looking at 40s and things like that, are they numbered now because of this new technology and the ability to track a player in a game and see how he performs? They, they might be eventually, but right now it's not because nobody really knows how to use that data yet. Because mm-hmm. if you tell somebody that somebody ran 21 miles an hour, they have no concept of how to put that into anything. 
you know, because you see it all the time on ESPN. They'll show a highlight where a wide receiver breaks off a run, and he was he hit twenty one point two miles an hour. It's just like, we don't they don't really know how to conceptualize that in an actual play. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think God, who was it? Was it Tannehill last year had like the second or third fastest run on a break on a he had a he had a wide open uh, quarterback draw. And like he was the third fastest guy in the NFL last year on a run like that. And you just, when you hear it's Ryan Tannehill, you can't put that, like, there's no way he's as fast as a DK Metcalf <laughs> or a Tyreek Hill. Yet on no. this one play, he ran faster. I mean, so it's like you don't know how to actually put that into actual game usage. So, right. until, like, you're still going to have those old school scouts that are still going to be looking at those measurables and want those numbers, but slowly they're going to be fading away that it's a few years away because you've got so many guys that are just stuck in their ways of, hand, or of drafting and um, trying to come up with a profile for these guys that anything new's got, it's going to take it, take, take time, time to run its course. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and pe- like you said, people have to know how to use it. And if you're, and Hey, I'm not being ageist. I'm just saying, if you're a 65 year old scout, the chances you're going to go learn how to use analytics and data from, from this new stuff is probably not, not going to happen very, very frequently. Or if it does, God bless those guys out there who adopt it. It's going to take you a while to understand it and then be able to take that data, transmit it back to your team and say, Hey, listen, this is what this means. It's all interpreting the data too, right? Cause what does that mean? Uh, to your point about Tannehill, that doesn't mean Tannehill's the fastest guy in the NFL, not even close. So you have to be able to understand and put models out to, that, uh, help you measure it. But you take Chris Rumpf, uh, defensive end now in round six, Round six, you have some 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 other options here, and one poked out at me because he's a guy that that if if I if he was available in round six, I would be really tempted to take him, and I know John Gruden would be as well because a he loves him some Clemson, and number two he loves him some fast wide receivers. Uh, but you look at Cornell Powell there, uh, and and his ability, and he was no one heard about Cornell Powell for three years, and then all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere, does really well, played well with both quarter backs at Clemson when Trevor Lawrence was out with COVID-19. He was able to step in and had some big, big days for Clemson down the stretch. What do you like about Cornell Powell? And if 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 you had maybe addressed your defensive needs already up front in free agency in the draft, is would you would you take another receiver? Uh, uh, you can you'll you'll always need weapons. To me, wide receiver and corner are two positions where you can really never have enough people. You know, especially if you've got, you know, Powell basically got hurt by going to Clemson. You know, he was behind. I mean, you look at all the wide receivers that he's been behind, and he really got a shot this year due to an injury. You know, Mm -hmm. if everybody's healthy and everything, we're not even going to know who he is still. You know, it's like the old Miami teams. The only reason we know who uh, Willis McGahee and Clinton Portis were was because Frank Gore kept blowing out his knee. You know, if Frank Gore's healthy all the time, we don't know who those two guys are. Clint Portis is a Hall of Famer, and Willis McGay, he had an amazing career after his own knee injury. So right. sometimes the school you go to in the deck, you're not on the field not because you're not good. It's just because the people in front of you are better. You know, And you look at the wide receivers that were in front of him, you know, they're all guys that are playing in the league, all guys that got drafted. So we don't know about Cornell Powell not because he's not good. It's just because he was playing behind some really, really good guys. Yeah. Um, just – he, he's a physical specimen. The speed's there. There's just there's just so much potential. You know, some wide receiver coach is going to see that film, see his workout, you know, and they're going to be like, I can do something with this guy. 
Yeah. So in you know the later rounds, take a flyer on a guy like that because I mean it's worst case scenario. You're pretty sure pretty quick whether or not this is some guy you're going to be able to work with or not. So if it doesn't work out, it's not a guy that you're going to hang on to for two or three years. You're going to be able to say, all right, this experiment's not going to work. You know, we can move on from it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, so in the sixth round, Chris Rumpf, and we were talking about Cornell Powell there, the wide receiver, just because he's an intriguing uh, opportunity if he's around that late in the draft. Uh, A lot of potential there, and the Raiders could always use more offensive weapons. All right, the last pick you have, round seven. You talked about cornerback. You go with a guy who plays a lot of uh, off-man coverage. That is Marco Wilson, the cornerback um, out of Florida, uh, Florida as well. He's the younger brother, of course, of former Gator, cornerback Quincy Wilson what is it with Wilson that you like uh, that you see in his game especially on a a defensive backfield uh, squad here with the Raiders Kelly that's already extremely young to me this is I mean this is probably just me making a projection I just think he like he should be a lot better you know, it's like I, I look at like I look at just the way he plays and everything. I was like, this guy could be really I think this guy could be really good. You know, he does play more off man. So, I mean, you're going to have to kind of find that system and everything for him. But I mean, you, you like I said, his brother, Quincy, was a second round pick, I believe. So, I mean, the talent I mean, there's some talent in that family. But when I watch him play, I just I just see enough in there. It's like, you know what? I think this guy could be good. And when you're in the seventh round, talk about something, you know, you're going to take a flyer on a guy. Um, I'm going to take a flyer on a corner, on a defensive end, somebody like that at a premium position. Because if he does hit, it's going to be like the payoff is so much more for a guy like that because it's at a it's it's at a position you you have to you know you can't have enough corners, you can't have enough safeties, you know. And with uh, you know, in Bradley's system, he does like to blitz a lot, so you're going to have to either get a lot of pressure up front, which the Raiders really can't do, or you're going to have to be able to cover cover well. So, you know, for the latter, as many bodies as you can have in that secondary is going to be the best for you. Yeah, no doubt about it. I like the pick, though. I think he's good. Um, and and like you said, he can blitz well. And, and yes, Gus Bradley hasn't blitzed in the past. Does he change a little bit of what he does? Uh, he does adapt from time to time, so we'll see. But a guy like Marco Wilson, I think, you know, back there, uh, they need competition at that cornerback position. Damon Arnett, Trayvon, I think Trayvon Mullins progressed nicely. He needs to He needs to take another big step this year. But to me, competition back there is great. So bring in another young guy, bring in a veteran, bring as many bodies as you can into camp and let the best man win. I mean, that's what you got to do. It doesn't matter where they were drafted. It doesn't matter what they signed for. I think the open competition at cornerback, at wide receiver on the other side of the ball, and now on the defensive line, I think they got to do the same thing. I think you bring in, you have Tack McKinley coming back. You have some of these guys that are coming back. Why not throw them all out there and say, hey, listen, whoever's going to play and ball out is going to be our guy. So so Marco Wilson could be part of that mix. Yeah, and that's uh, they definitely need to bring in a, if not a corner, they need to bring in a veteran because they are so young back there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would much rather, if you're going to kind of roll the dice on stuff, I would rather roll the dice on a rookies in that corner, on the corner of the defensive end, than try to go sign like a, a middling or late guy that's kind of at the end of his career. Just because I don't want to spend four million on a guy who may not see the field very often when I can spend a seventh round pick. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. So just to recap, we have now completed seven rounds. Kelly Kreiner, our draft analyst here at Silver and Black today, uh, has has given us his seven round picks based on his projections. And I'll run through those. Round one, Christian Derisaw, the offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. Round two, Ronnie Perkins, the edge rusher out of Oklahoma. Round three, Hamsa Nazardine, the safety from Florida State. Staying in Tallahassee, round four, Marvin Wilson, the interior defensive tackle, interior defensive lineman from Florida State. Round five, strengthening the offensive line at guard with Tommy Kramer. Not a flashy player, but a guy who will get the job done for years and years if he stays healthy. Uh, him out of Notre Dame. Then round six, Chris Rumpf, the defensive end out of Duke. Extremely raw and small, but has a lot of talent. And then Marco Wilson, the cornerback out of Florida uh, with the seventh round pick. And Kelly, we look at this and again, Again, we're doing this mock draft before we know any action that happens in free agency for the Raiders. But I think I think to me, as you mentioned before this show got started, for me in free agency, the Raiders kind of have to sit out. I think they will spend money on one big defensive player, whether that is the safety Johnson, John Johnson out of out of the Rams, or if it's a, a offense or excuse me, a defensive lineman up front. I think they'll make one sign, quote unquote, big signing, uh, and that'll be it. Because I think they have to they have to go back to the drawing board and build this defensive team through the draft and through the acquisition of second-line players that could help them get better, maybe not get them where they need to be, but get them out of the 29 to 32 ranked defense up to the 15 to 18 ranked defense, which you can do with guys. It doesn't all have to be all pro guys. But do you agree with that, and do you think that's what we'll see from the Raiders as they head into free agency before we hit the draft next month? I think that's what they should do. Uh, whether or not they do it or not, like I said, we'll find out. <laughs> because, you you know, I mean, and it's not just the Raiders, but every team kind of wants to make a splash on free agency. You know, we, we've already seen the Patriots are out there. They're throwing money around, and everybody's freaking out, acting like the Patriots never do this. Yet the Patriots do it every three or four years. They have a big spending spree. They did it to get Gilmore. They did it when they took uh, Colvin a few years. I mean, so they've done it in the past. Um, but everybody kind of wants to have their moment with their signing. Um, if you if you want to go out and, you know, like I said, I, I think Johnson should be their number one priority because they need that at safety. Besides that, there's really nobody else out there that I'm seeing. Because uh, Well, Judon's going to be off the board now. He's a Patriot. So, I mean, it's like there's not like there's a, there's a single player out there that's going to make that quantum change in our defense. Yeah. So I would rather, I would rather do – uh, I would rather wait for that second wave, try to get a couple guys on a cheap deal at this point. Um, because, yeah, they freed up a lot of money, but just because you have it doesn't mean you have to spend it. Right, right. And you don't know. Yeah, you don't know what's going to pop up later on as well. And and the extension talks around Derek Carr, um, that might not impact this year uh, unless they sign something with him now and it restructures his deal uh, to save the next couple of years and then pays him on the back end. So we'll have to see what happens with that. Uh, but but it's going to be interesting. And Kelly, that's where I think and I've been saying and, and you get called a hater by some by saying it. I think this year for Mike Mayock and John Gruden uh, is the year where they have to to do something uh, and they have to show that they can draft and evaluate talent at the most elite level because if they miss on draft picks again especially their high draft picks first three rounds um, this year uh, I don't know where the team goes because listen I look at the schedule I look at where they're at yes last year they were 
uh, one game improved, right? They finished at 500. But to me, this year, anything less than not only making the playoffs, but winning a game in the playoffs is key. And I just don't see it right now, Kelly. I, I, I think they have gotten better. But I think that the the jury being out on some of these high round draft picks, the misses on draft picks that they've made, um, they have to overcome that this year, which means they kind of have to have a little bit of a perfect draft, don't they? Well, but it's the problem is it's not just the misses on the draft; it's the misses free agency. Free agency. I yeah. mean, their free agency has been just—it's been a—it's a joke. Let's be honest; they've missed on everything, and they talked about how they didn't want to pay Khalil Mack. Okay, so you don't pay Khalil Mack; you take all that money, put it to these other guys, and have done nothing towards like, hey, look, we should have kept Khalil Mack. He was—he was a <laughs> sure thing, you know. We had a All Pro Pro Bowl defensive end now we're throwing all this money at the defense and they've made it's been even worse because you you know thank you fill three or four spots instead of having the one well they've all failed so now you're this much worse than where you were before so yes. yeah it's not only has the draft picks been bad the free agency's been bad let's be honest there's been nothing good that they've done since they i mean if you look at the totality of everything everything they've they've swung and missed it's so much stuff you know it's like they need i, I you're never going to have a perfect yeah, but, draft but, but I mean, Kelly, but Kelly, when I make that point, and I'm not making that point to be negative, I'm not making that point to hate on anything. It's just fact. But people always come back at me with this, and I want to get your response. It takes time for these guys to develop. Okay, so how how, how long are we given? You know, a, a, a guy like a Cleveland Pearl's got four years in the fifth year. Is anybody any Raider fan want to give him that fifth year option right now? No, no. Any first-round pick that we have, you want to give them? And listen, Jacobs has been good. I'm never signing a running back to a second contract. I think it's the biggest mistake every franchise makes. You know, there's Abrams. Abrams is even going to make a fifth-year option. You know, look, at I mean, how, how long do these guys need? You know, hit, I get it that you're not going to come in and blow the doors off year one. I need to see improvement, you know. Furl yeah. got a little better at the end of last year. But also, you spent the fourth pick on a guy who's never going to be a 10-sack guy or more than a 10-sack guy. You know, right. it's like he was over – it's not his fault he was overdrafted. But it goes it goes on to the organization to where if you want to draft a guy like that, you can move you can move around, trade around or something because you're putting the onus on we need pass rush. We take a defensive end with a fourth pick who we know is not going to be big in the pass rush. Right. That's, that, yeah. that's, a, that's a failure from scouting, in my opinion. Right. And and again, I, I think Cleve Farrell got better last year, but he's not the guy uh, edge rusher at number four that that people thought he was going to be. Again, that's not his fault. That's that's the organization's fault. And to me, that's where they have to get better. They have got to draft better and evaluate talent. That's my biggest criticism. I know a lot of people like to criticize John Gruden over his coaching on the field, and there's definitely some argument there. But to me, talent evaluation, if you don't get it right, that's what sets you back years and years and years, more than coaching, because you can switch coaching. Now, in this case, you're not going to switch coaching because the same guy choosing the talent and don't fool yourself with all due respect to Mike Mayock, who I like, like very, very much. Uh, John Gruden is making these picks. John Gruden is deciding who to sign with the Raiders and he might listen to Mike Mayock. But at the end of the day, if you don't think John Gruden is the final decision maker, then you're living in la la land. And so it all comes down to him. They have got to be better at evaluating talent. The only guy, like you said, that's panned out so far has been Josh Jacobs, but that's running back in the NFL. And you got maybe three to five years and then you start looking elsewhere which is why uh, even though in your mock you didn't have them at a running back 
they need to look at options and free agency and maybe even the draft there, depending on how it falls, because they need another running back as well uh, to spell Josh Jacobs uh, that can run the ball w- good. And there are guys in the draft this year that fall into later rounds. I think that could fit that bill. But but clearly, ta- talent evaluation is key. The Raiders, uh, to me, this is the turn year. If they do not turn this year, you can't tell me going into year five, wait another year. You just can't do it. So we'll have to see how that all goes down. But Kelly, I appreciate and we all appreciate you sharing our picks. We'll visit with you again after we get through free agency. We'll kind of mock through another draft with you and uh, maybe get you on another pod to talk just general Raider stuff as we hear the free agent signings as well. Uh, But we appreciate you being with us today, my friend, and we will talk to you soon. Yeah, anytime, man. Uh, you know how to get a hold of me, man. So I'm here for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, and that's going to conclude the podcast for today, as well as our, our video. If you're watching us, we certainly appreciate you being with us here on Silver and Black today. Uh, and we will be back uh, very, very soon. We're going to be doing more regular content as the free agency period unfolds. And as we get through uh, getting closer to the draft, we'll do some more shows with Kelly around the draft as well as others. So stay tuned for that podcast and we'll do them regularly here as I get back up and running. Uh, But we certainly appreciate you being with us. Join us uh, anytime. Check out our news, the website that started it all, silverandblacktoday.com. Also, make sure you subscribe below. Click um, like on the video here. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell, bam, bam, so that you get notified anytime we go live because we will be going live as well on video very, very soon. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, we distribute it everywhere, whether it's Apple, whether it's Google, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Stitcher, whether it's radio.com, you can find the Silver and Black Today podcast right there. For Kelly Kreiner, I am Scott Cobranson. Take care, Raider Nation. We'll talk to you next time. This has been the Silver and Black Today podcast. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, may the autumn wind always be at your back. We'll be right back.